Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Praise the Lord. Well, you excited to be here tonight at church. I got a uh-huh. Well, years ago, there was a young man in Bible school, and he was in one of Brother Hagen's services. They, they, I think at the time it was either prayer school or healing school. I think this was healing school. That was at like 2.15 in the afternoon. And he'd sit in the same front row position in the, in the it was kind of a large room, probably about the size of this one right here. And uh, he'd be sitting over here on the front row and just listening. And he was just, uh, if you have sat under Brother Hagen's teaching for very long, uh, sometimes he can put you to sleep because he's, he's a teacher. And so, you know, his voice doesn't go up and down. He doesn't run and shout and move his arms and everything. So if you're not careful, you can kind of, I wouldn't say doze off, but you, you, you just start not paying attention. Well, this young man was in that state where he wasn't really listening. He was in the room, but he wasn't listening. And uh, I call him Dad sometimes. Dad went over got behind him and slammed the, this chair that he was sitting at, you know, kind of get his attention. He slammed that chair, and this young man just came to attention, and Brother Hagin said, you know, the only word that works in your life, the only word you can get inside your heart is that word you're excited about. And uh, so this guy started saying, he says, I'm going to get excited. I'm going to get something. And so uh, I think it was pretty funny because that, that, that young man, who was in that class today, has an international ministry. His name is Keith Moore. And so he figured out how to stay attentive. He found out how to stay excited about the Word of God. Sometimes you and I, we just got to stir ourselves up. You know, our body always doesn't want to do what our spirit wants to do. And so we got to hold it in check, amen? That's why the Apostle Paul says, I keep my body under. And you just don't let it do everything it wants to do. You run the show from the inside out. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and get our Bibles out. Let's get our app out. I trust you got a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen or some kind of a writing device. You'll be taking notes. We want to say hello to out there in Streamland. Good to have you with us. Praise the Lord. Now, you understand that these recordings that you're watching, you may be watching now live, but you may be watching a recording. They're only going to be on certain uh, locations on the internet for 60 days. And so they're going to go off. That would be on our website primarily. But if you'll go on over to YouTube, just get on the YouTube and go to Birth and Family Church. Our uh, videos are on there, and they're going to be on YouTube until Jesus comes. And so you can always watch us. Uh, you can go back years at a time if you'd like. And... Uh, and you can watch, and it'll be there for you to feed upon. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and get our faith all going in the same direction. Father, thank you for the word of life, the word of God, the manna from heaven, the word that's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. 
We choose to listen to those words that have been spoken by the Holy Spirit and penned into this book where you have imparted and breathed your life into that word. We choose to access that life tonight by not simply hearing, but believing what's being said and also finding places in our life where we can apply that word that we'd not be just simply a hearer but a doer thereof. We thank you for your work right now, Holy One. We say that we have an unction from the Holy One and we know all things. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is Healing School and we started a series Oh my goodness, I, I don't know, if it, it might have been um, September, and uh, we're just finally now gearing down on it. It's called Four Steps to Receiving Our Healing, and we had just started back up with healing school. We took a, a slight break there for a while over the summer, and so we just started it back up in the fall, and I thought we would start out on just a boom, 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 boom on how to receive our healing, these four steps. Well, we're on the tail end of that. And so, let's just, for a very quick, keyword being very, just a quick review. What are these four steps? Number one, you've got to believe it's the will of God for you to be healed. If, if, you, if you and I <laughs> don't get that part, if we don't get that first step, then nothing else is going to work. And really, the sad part about it are many well-meaning, good Christian folk that don't know if it's his will, so they're praying to find out if it is his will. Well, that means then they're not praying in faith, and faith will not work until the will of the Lord is known. So they're, they're stuck. They're stuck. They're praying a prayer that God can't answer. And so, number one, you've got to believe it's the will of God for you to be healed. And I just heard in my head, uh, well, what if I don't know what... If, you know, how do I know what the will of the Lord is? Well, you read your Bible. Uh, the Bible is the published. It's in black and white before us. It's the published will of God. You can also determine the will of God by looking at the earthly ministry of Jesus. Did Jesus heal? Hello? Yes, he did. He never turned anyone away that came to him and asked for healing. Jesus is the will of God in action. Number two... You've got to believe that healing has already been purchased for you, just like our salvation. And it's a part of the great plan of redemption. Well, what's the difference between knowing it's his will and, and to know that it's in the plan of redemption? Because if it's in the plan of redemption, it's already an accomplished fact. You don't pray and ask God if he'll heal you or not. No, it's part of the redemption. He's, always per he's already purchased it for you through his death, burial, and resurrection. You are as healed as you are saved. Amen. Those things are accomplished. Those things are done. And so you can pray with confidence knowing that. Number three, you've got to ask for your healing according to the word of God. Now, notice I uh, made that distinction. Simply praying for something doesn't assure you that God will respond with an answer. You've got to ask the way that he uh, has determined that we are to ask. Hallelujah. Remember your school locker? You, you can't just throw in any number 
uh, on that, you had to turn the dial to the right to a number and left to a number and then to the other number and the, and the lock opened, right? Well, if you don't put in the numbers and do the turns, guess what? It's not going to open. Now, that may not be a very good example, but prayer, you have to pray the way that God has asked us to pray. See, we're operating under spiritual laws. It's not loosey-goosey. I can't ask the way I want to ask, and I can't receive the way I want to receive. I ask the way that he instructs me to ask according to the word of God, and then how he gets it to me is going to be up to him. Amen. Hallelujah. So those are the first three steps. The last step is what we're looking at tonight. And you've got to believe that you receive your healing the moment that you asked for healing. Let me say that again. You've got to believe. Notice I didn't say see. I didn't say feel. I didn't say having any physical evidence of your healing. No, you have to believe. Believe is defined as agreeing with what God has said in your heart. Remember, faith is of the heart. We're praying the prayer of faith. So you've got to believe in your heart according to the word of God that once you ask for it, it's now yours. You've got to believe you receive your healing before there's any evidence, any physical evidence of being healed. And that's call, called acting on your faith or acting on what you believe. That means that you're going to be required to have corresponding actions to what you believe. Going over to Mark 11, 24. Now remember tonight we're talking about receiving healing for our body by praying the prayer of faith. And these are, dare I say, the rules or the parameters of receiving by praying the prayer of faith. Here's Jesus in Mark, the 11th chapter, the 21st, excuse me, 24th verse. I'm reading from the King James. This is Jesus speaking. And he's saying, therefore I say unto you. Now he's about to outline how the prayer of faith is effective. How we can receive every time by praying the prayer of faith. He says, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. To, again, say what we said over this verse of scripture, understand this is talking about something that you personally desire. It doesn't say what things soever you desire for Aunt Susie. It doesn't say that what things soever you desire for Joe so-and-so. No, it's what you desire. So this is a need you have. You're the one who needs healing in your body, and then you're the one who is praying. This isn't someone praying for you. This is you praying this prayer. Notice it says, what things soever you desire when you pray, then you're required to believe something when you pray. Believe that you receive what you just asked for. You've got to believe that you receive your healing. You see how many yous are in this? 
There's four U's in this. You have the need. You have, you're the one praying the prayer. You're the one who's believing, and then you're the recipient of this prayer. You're the one who receives the healing. Well, what does that mean? That means that I can't just pray that prayer of faith for Peter. Unless he's included in that prayer of faith in terms of being in agreement. So he's got to believe that he receives his healing. Amen? That's what you call the prayer of agreement over there in Matthew 18, 19. All right? So don't do like I did. <laughs> and you don't know how many years I did this. I would just pray this prayer for everything. If somebody had a need, even people I didn't even know, because we would get prayer requests here at the church. Pray for Aunt Susie. Well, where does she live? Well, she lives in Timbuktu. Does she know we're praying for her? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Does she believe in healing? I don't know. And so I'm praying for Aunt Susie. I'm, I'm saying, Lord, I receive healing for her. I believe she receives it. I mean, you know that God can't respond to that prayer. Now there will be some remote cases that he'll allow us to pray for babies. When I talk about babies, I'm talking about spiritual babies who haven't been in Christendom for very long. There are times that he'll allow you to pray for them. And also, more times than not, for those who are in your household, who are under your authority, you can pray that for them. But when they start getting older and having a chance to develop their faith, more will be required of them. So that limits how you can push your faith on someone else. To define it a little bit better, you can't push things off of others that you don't have a sphere of influence over them. What do you mean? Well, let's, let's talk about money. I, I can't tell you what to do with your money, right? Because you are the steward over your money, not me. Why? That's your sphere of influence, right? Is over that money that, that you're the steward over. I can't tell you what to do with your money, right? It's your decision what you do with your money. In the same way, I can't use my faith to get you to receive healing. That's not my sphere of influence. Amen. We got to talk about these things. We can't just push our faith off on people and receive for them when they're not in agreement, when they are not believing with you. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe, you receive it, and then what happens? Then you have it. Amen? That means it's going to be, there's going to be a requirement of us to believe that we have something that we can't see, that we can't feel, and maybe that there's no change in after we say amen. And that's the stumbling block for many believers. Now, let's talk about faith. Now, remember, we're talking about this fourth step 
Once you pray and ask for healing according to the word of God, you have to believe you receive your healing. You believe you receive your healing according to what Jesus said, according to the word of God. Remember, he's the one who said, when you pray, when you ask, then you're required to believe you receive what you ask for or believe that you have taken possession of it. Now, that possession of that which you have asked for is spiritual. It's in the unseen realm. And there most likely is going to be a period of time that you believe you receive until you have the evidence of seeing it in the seen realm. There has to be time to generate it or transfer it from the unseen realm into the physical realm. You're taking a promise... You're taking a substance that's now yours by faith in the realm of the spirit, and it has to be transformed from the unseen realm into the physical realm. Amen. Now, if you're receiving salvation, it's instant. Why? Because there's no transformation. You're receiving something spiritual. You're receiving something that has a spiritual substance, and you're receiving it into your spirit. And so it's instantaneous when you're receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you respond, when people lay hands on you, it's yours instantly. There's no transference into the scene realm. But if you're asking for healing, or if you're believing God for money, you're taking that which is transferred from an unseen realm into the scene realm. And just like a baby that's born, after conception, after nine, nine months, there's a time that that conception that once life begins it takes time for it to be brought to birth before and being formed before it can be birthed into that scene realm and faith is very similar to that now i want to talk about faith and it's two parts there's two parts to faith jesus is saying that you're going to ask for something that you believe, and then you're going to believe you have what you have believed. And that puts faith into two separate parts. <laughs> just, just bear with me. There is a passive faith, and that's when faith is a noun, it's a thing. And then there's a time when faith is active and it's a verb or it's creating. Listen to me. There's a, there, there is a belief that, that is a noun believing in a thing, but then there's a, a verb side of faith where it causes what you believe to be created. And it's an active faith. And this is what's so important about believing you receive when you pray because that takes what you believe concerning the will of God and then it begins to create it. We'll, walk, we'll, we'll, go, through, we'll go through this together. All right, we're going to see this. We're going to get this tonight. Go on over to Romans chapter 8. Mistake. Romans chapter 10. How many of you are still excited about the word of God? Huh? Come on, we've got to keep ourselves engaged. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. 
Let's look at this, these two sides, this, these two sides of faith. And thank goodness for, for a man by the name of Fred Price. Oh my goodness, what year was that? I'm going to guess. Fred Price came to Bethel Temple, I'm going to say in 1978, somewhere between 1978 and, and 1980 maybe. There's like a two-year span. And Fred Price came to Bethel Temple. Uh, he started on a Monday night, and then he did both Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday, both a.m. and p.m., Thursday, and then Friday. And so I was, get to, I was able to get there, I think, four out of the five nights, because I couldn't come during the day. And, uh, but I was there uh, four of the five nights. And in the night sessions, he taught on the subject how faith works. How to get the creative part of, of faith to operate. And he just, just, I went, whoa. It was tremendous. That was back in the time when your dad, Neil, was having trouble with his jaw. And Fred Price prayed for him on Friday night, and he went, you know, you know Neil, you can't push him down. He, he's, he's, he, he was a stud, okay? <laughs> he was a man's man. But man, when Fred touched him, he went down like a sack of salt. On the floor. I don't know how long he stayed down there, but it was awesome. I, I will never refer, I'll never forget these meetings. It changed my life. Changed my life. And he taught along these lines. Look here in Romans 8. I said it again. <laughs> Help me, Jesus! I'm in chapter 10 of Romans, but it is verse 8. I'll read it for the King James. He says, What saith it? The word is where? Near you. Now, where is it? Now, remember, the Word is, the, the, the Bible, the, the, the Word of God, is a spiritual substance. And so, it has to be in two places to work, meaning that the Word of God or faith has to be in two places for it to create. Notice it says, is in your mouth, and where else? in your heart it's where in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith and that statement right there the word of faith lets us see that faith and the word of god are synonymous terms you can't have faith without the word you can't have the word without faith just like water you can't have water without the wet. If you got the wet, you got the water. If you got the water, you got the wet. Synonymous terms. A lot of times when we talk about we'll wait for that. So faith or the word has to be in two places. It's got to be in my mouth. It's got to be in, heart, in my heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with what? The mouth, the Lord Jesus, and what? Believe in your heart 
that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Notice we see where the, the word of God has to be. It has to be where? In my mouth and in my heart. Verse 10. For with the heart <laughs> man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, one of the things that Fred said during the course of this visit here in Colorado, he talked about how faith is like a coin, like a quarter or a, a, a silver dollar, is that there are two sides to the coin. You've got what we call the heads, and the other side is what the tails, right? And according to law, that in order for a coin uh, of the United States uh, Treasury or Federal Reserve, the only way that it's legal tender is that both sides of the coin must be intact. Let's say, for example, for example you, you take one side of a quarter and you grind off one side and you can't see the inscription on one side of the coin. If you try and use that coin as a legal tenor, tender, if you try to pay for something or buy something with that coin, the, 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 the clerk or the recipient of that coin that's using it for payment for whatever you're getting, he doesn't have to honor it. Both sides of the coin have to be present and in, uh, has to be seen or known in order for them to receive that. Well, notice here that faith has two sides to it. Number one, faith has to be in your heart, meaning that you believe in the will of God. That's the noun of faith. That's the passive part of faith. But then you have to activate what you believe by acting on your faith. And many times it's simply confessing what the word says in your own behalf. Remember, Jesus says you've got to believe you receive your healing. So this believing that you're receiving your, your healing is that you are confessing what you believe. As we said this morning in this morning's service, that faith has to be released. Faith has to be activated. And many times the activation of our faith is saying what we believe. And it's saying what we believe is what looses the creative power of what we believe and creates for us what we believe by saying. Now, we see it right here in this portion of Scripture that's talked about how were you born again. Now, right now in the world, there are millions, probably billions of people that believe in the person Jesus Christ. They believe that he existed. They believe he did miracles. They believe he died on the cross. And many of them believe that God raised him from the dead. Well, they have a passive faith and are unsaved. Well, how do you know that? Well, for 24 years, I was that person. 
I believed in Jesus Christ. I believed he was the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross. I believe that he was resurrected from the dead. I believe there was a heaven and there was a hell. I believe the word of God was the voice of God. But yet I was dead in my trespasses and sins. Well, how could that be? Because I had a passive belief, a passive faith. That's like having a seed that has the potential to reproduce itself, but it's never germinated. It never comes alive so that it can create itself. And so that's why faith has to have expression. That's why faith has to be released to be activate the creativity of that. Look at what I'm saying. Verse 10, Romans 10. For with the heart, man believes unto a right standing with God. But that's dormant. You're still not saved. You also, with the mouth, confession, what you say about what you believe, expressing what you believe with your words. It says it's made or creates salvation. That's why Romans tells us in this same chapter 10 that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Over there in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says that as many as receive him. Well, how do they receive him? By calling upon his name. As many as receive him, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. As many as received him, it's to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. Amen? So we're seeing this active side or dare I say, to act on the word, to release the, the creativity of what you believe and cause it to become your personal possession. Now, going over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You mean to tell me that people that believe in Jesus but haven't, haven't confessed him as their Lord, that they're not going to heaven? No, I didn't say that at all. I didn't say that. The Bible said it. I'm just telling you what it said. Amen? See, people think that we're rigid and that we, you know, we, oh, you're just so, you're just, you're just, you're just so precise. No, we're just, we just go by what the Word says. I can't save myself. I got to do what God told me to do to be saved. And he told me to believe in my heart and to confess Jesus as my Lord to be saved. He didn't say, just believe in my heart. Did he? No, he said, and, and confesses with his mouth the Lord Jesus in verse 9 of that 10th chapter. I got to go by what he says and not what mainstream religion thinks. Amen? Now look here. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. It says that we have, what do we have, Paul? 
we have the same, everybody say the same, the same spirit of faith. See, faith is spiritual. For with the heart, with the spirit, man believeth. According as it is written, where? In the Bible. Anytime you see according uh, as it is written, they're quoting from the Old Testament and bringing it into the New Testament. Which means that that spiritual law from the old is now still active in the new. Just like tithing. You get these people that says, well, tithing isn't for us today. Well, then why is it in the New Testament? Why, why did Abraham give tithes to Melchizedek, who was a prototype of Jesus Christ, our high priest. Why would he put in several chapters in the New Testament about tithing if it wasn't relevant? No, anything from the old brought into the new is now things that we can practice. How many Christians do we have that are out there practice? Wow, why am I going off here on this? Why do we have Christians that are practicing Jewish holidays? There's no place in, in the Bible that we practice a Jewish holiday. Why, why are we doing that? Why do we take things that have been superseded with a new relationship with God? That we don't have to be practicing those things. A lot of these people are just doing things on the outside that has nothing happening spiritually. In their heart. Amen? I, 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 don't, I don't see where we're told to follow the Jewish calendar in the Bible. Amen? Oh boy. Well, just send your letters in. Tell, tell me how rotten I am. But anyway, um, we've got to follow the Bible. Amen? We've got to follow what he says. We have the same spirit of faith according as it is written. So this is how faith worked in the Old Testament. This is how faith works in the New. It hasn't changed because it's the same spirit of faith, or should I say it's the same God kind of faith. Just, just look at what David said before he slew Goliath. And everything he said came to pass. He was saying what he believed. And it came to pass. Just like Abraham, who became the, our father of the faith. He said he was a father before he was a father. And he got what he said because he was saying what he believed. What did he believe? What God told him. You're the father of many nations. And once he believed that and then expressed that, and released and made his faith active. You see, his faith was inactive for 24 years. For 24 years, he knew that God had made him the father of nation, but he never put it in his mouth. And God goes, ha -ha, I'll show Abraham, or I should say Abram, I'm going to change his name. I'm going to start calling him Abraham, and everybody else is going to have to call him Abraham. And once he changed his name, and everybody started calling him the father of many nations, because that's what that, that name Abraham meant, then finally Abraham goes, oh. And then he called himself the father 
and within a year or so, Sarah conceived. Faith has to be activated. Faith has to become creative. We get it creative when we say what we believe. Amen? So we have the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed. Notice what came first. I believed and therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. All right, we're just about there. Going over to James chapter 2. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love the word of God. James chapter 2. Now this is awesome. Uh, James is the half-brother of Jesus. I believe he was pastoring uh, the church of Jerusalem. Don't hold me to that. Now, now look what he says. What does it profit, my brethren? Though a man says that he has faith and has not works. Now, don't look at works as behavior. Look at works as corresponding actions. That what you are doing is an expression of what you believe. And he's going to give us an example. What does, a, what does it profit, my brother, and though a man says that he has faith, but he doesn't have works, he doesn't have an expression of the faith that he believes. He doesn't have corresponding actions. Shall his faith save him? Boy, we just talked about that a little ago, didn't we? We got to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus to be saved. That's corresponding actions. That's having works that agree with what we believe. Let's say a brother or a sister is naked and destitute of daily food. And one of you would say unto them, Depart in peace, be thou warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What does it profit? So here is this one speaking over someone in need, but not meeting the need. So his works or his corresponding actions doesn't agree with what he believes. Let's keep going. Even so, if faith... Now, notice that you have the faith. Right? Because he, he says, even so, faith... So you must have faith. You must believe... Just like I did for 24 years, I believed that Jesus was the Christ, but didn't have any correspondence to what I believed. I didn't have any corresponding actions to what I believed. So how could I expect to be saved? So even so, faith, so this must be a dormant or passive faith, if it has not works, is what? Dead. Or ineffective. Or uncreative. Why? Because it's alone. It's only one side of the coin. We've got to have both 
sides of the coin. We have to believe in what the Word of God says, and then we have to give it expression through an act of faith to create what he has said. Verse 18. Yes, a man may say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Now, that's powerful. You and I should not have to go and tell somebody that we're a Christian. Anybody in the world. They should know that we're a Christian, not by what we say, but how we treat them. Amen. Verse 19. Now check this out. This is, again, <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying this. It says, you believeth that there is one God. You do well in believing that. But it says that the devils also believe and tremble. Well, if, if the devils believe that there's one God, does that mean that they're saved? No, there's no way. Because they don't have any corresponding actions to what they believe. They're not bowing their knee to Jesus anytime soon. They're not confessing him Lord anytime soon. And this is this stark contrast of what he's trying to wake us up to understand. Verse 20. But will you know, O vain man? And the vain man is one who believes yet has no corresponding actions. Faith without works is dead. Again, this word dead means ineffective unproductive, dormant. Faith without corresponding actions is unproductive. Now, let me use an example that Fred Price used that one of those nights. And this is really what helped me. He used this example. He says, what if tonight in the service, Let's, let's say a, a man comes in the, the, the double doors and comes into the sanctuary. And, and you can tell that there's something wrong with this man. He, he, he looks weak. His, his face is very pale. He, he's, he's having trouble walk. And so the ushers go and they grab him and they assist him and they sit this man down in a chair. And the pastor says, this man's not right. We need to get you know, the ER, here, or not ER, but the technicians, who are those guys? Let's call 911 and, and, and get them to, to examine this man. Let's find out what's wrong with him so we can help him. So the, what do you call those guys? M-E-T, what are they? Huh? EMTs. Emergency technicians, is that, is that what it stands for? So here they come. They're, they're really prompt. They're here in just several minutes, and they come in with all their baggage and all their, all their equipment. And they, th this, this EMT, and he, he evaluates this man. 
And he says, I have determined this man right now is in the last stages of starving to death. And if we don't get food in him within 30 minutes, he will die. Well, we go, well, we can't have that, right? So we just start order, ordering food from Burger King and, and McDonald's and, and all these places. And, and they bring all this food into the church. And we put it all out on the table. And we say to that man, do you believe that if you eat this food, it'll keep you from starving to death? Oh, I believe. I believe that I eat that food. Oh, i starve to death. And we keep asking them, if you eat this food, will it keep you from starving to death? And oh yeah, emphatically I believe. And this goes on and goes on. And it's now 29 minutes and 30 seconds. Do you believe that if you eat this food, oh, I believe. 59, 30 minutes, falls over dead. Now, what this man believed, was that true? If you eat food, all things being equal, you're not going to die of starvation. You may die of a snake bite, but you're not going to die of starvation, right? Is that true? And see, this is where many people are so confused. Because how many Christians have died with sickness and disease and believed it was the will of God for them to be healed? Is what they believe true? Come on, you know the answer. Is it the will of God for us to be healed according to the word of God? Absolutely, emphatically, yes. So why do so many Christians die from sickness and disease? What they believe is right. Well, just like this man, what he believed was right. But he didn't act on what he believed. He didn't put into motion what he believed. His faith was passive. His faith was dormant. His faith was a noun. He believed the right thing. He said the right things. I believe if I eat food. Da, 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 da. But he never acted on what he believed. He never got off his blessed assurance and ate food. And that's where we miss it when we're trying to receive from God with our faith. We're believing right for the most part. We're believing right. But then our actions don't correspond to what we believe. For example, through the years, I've had a lot of, I'm talking about good people. There's nothing wrong with these folks. They're good Christian people. But for whatever reason, they just never really saw how faith worked. And they would come up to me 
And they would say, oh, I've got this. Let's just, let's just say, I have a sore throat. Uh, and, and I hear about how long they've had it for. I hear about how, how painful it is. I, I hear about all the symptoms. And then in the same breath they say, but you know, I believe that by his stripes I was healed. Well, wait a second. That's what James calls a double-minded man. If you go over there and look at the first chapter of James, we don't have time to get into this, do we? Let me just give you the condensed version. In the first chapter of James, it tells us that if we vacillate in how we are corresponding to what we believe, one moment we believe we receive our healing. The next minute, I've got this. I, my, 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 my sore throat is really hurting me. We're double-minded. One, one moment, we're believing we receive it. The next moment, we're talking about my sore throat. Well, wait, if it's yours, then you've taken possession of it. If it's your sore throat, then, then, then you don't believe you receive your healing. And it says very clearly, let not that man, which man? The one who's double-minded. One moment he's talking about what he has in the way of his symptoms and sick and illness, and then the other moment he's saying, I believe by his stripes I was healed. Well, the Bible says, let not that man receive anything from the Lord. And that's because what they believe didn't correspond by what they were doing and saying. And when those contradict each other, we can't expect to receive from the Lord any more than this man could have been cured of starving to death by not eating food. If he believed that, then he should have began eating it. But for whatever reason, he wouldn't act on what he believed and therefore died of starvation. And many Christians, I won't say everything, but many times when I fail to receive from the Lord by faith, is because I did exactly what I've talked about. I kept looking at what was seen. I kept looking at how I felt. I kept looking at the symptoms, and then I succumbed and started agreeing with them. And now I started to become double-minded. And that's why a lot of people get confused. How did a man who believed that Jesus was his healer, he believed in the miraculous, he believed in divine healing, he believed in having faith and receiving, how come he died? Well, what was, he, what was his corresponding actions? I'm not saying in church, I'm saying at home. <laughs> Seems like we all talk right here in church, don't we? Amen? Do we get in too deep to stop right now, or do we got to keep on going? I think we can leave, right? Go ahead and stand up. You know, sometimes we have to talk about these things. 
not, not to point our finger at people, but to help us. I'd like to know if I'm doing something wrong. I'd, I'd like to be able to make adjustments. Amen? So that we can do it God's way and the Word's way and get results every time. And that's why we, we, we try to make this plain, try to make it practical, try to make it in a place where we can start seeing and comparing, are we doing it God's way or am I doing it my way? So I want you to say this. I believe that I have the God kind of faith. Go ahead and say this out there in the stream or the recording. Just go ahead and say this. Start making your mouth say what God says. If, if, if I would give one piece of advice to, to a believer, if you and I would just concentrate on believing what God says and saying what God says, our whole life would be turned around. So say, I have the God kind of faith. The Bible says we have the same spirit of faith. Therefore, that which I believe is also what I speak. I thank you, Lord, that faith is my victory, but faith must be active. I choose when I pray that I believe with my heart I receive. And then I begin to confess with my mouth. I believe I receive my healing. I receive my healing. The instant I said amen. And so right now, according to the word of God, I believe I received my healing. By his stripes, I was healed. Himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. Go ahead and say that. Himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. By his stripes, I was healed. I let my mouth agree with what I believe. I give God's word expression by saying with my mouth what I believe in my heart. Therefore, I am blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I think we might just stay on this for a little bit. I I was thinking um, earlier today why did Jesus record so much success in the healing ministry? And this principle of acting on what you believe was, I believe, one of the most consistent reasons why people were healed. Because Jesus prompted them to act on what they believed. Paul did the same thing. And Peter and John did the same thing at the Gate Beautiful. Like, for example, there's that testimony of this man that had the withered hand. And his hand uh, was drawn back. And you've seen people like that. And, And many times their hands are a different size than their normal hand that they can use. And the hand is just, it's immobile. 
is, is, is useless. And, and Jesus came up to that man, gave him instruction, imparted faith unto him, but then he activated his faith. He, 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 he endeavored to give him something to do that was not substantiated by what he saw or was experiencing. It was that he tried to get him to do something based solely on what, God, what Jesus had said, the faith that was imparted to him, and came up to him and told him to do something that was impossible for him to do in the natural. He says, stretch forth your hand. Well, this man could have said, I can't. I have a withered hand. And that expression of what he believed would have kept his hand withered. But he didn't do that. He responded with actions to what Jesus said to him. And, and, and what he couldn't do, he just began to do it. And that's when the power his hand was made whole. Now, I don't know if his hand grew out in girth and size. We'll have to ask him when we get to heaven. But if he hadn't acted on what Jesus had said, then his faith would have remained dormant and would not have been creative. And he tapped into that power. He had corresponding actions to what he believed according to the word of God. And that's why the power came. Amen. So we're, I, I think we're just going to look at that a little bit more next time. Amen.